So how, how's your Christmas going so far? Shopping? You know, working through the Christmas list? You're continually remembering people you need to buy for? You know, like, oh yeah, I forgot, I got, a, got this I'm going to, I got to go, got to get a gift card for this person or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, there may be already gatherings you've attended with family or friends or Sunday school classes or co-workers. You know, we are in the midst of a, a busy season, a good season, which can be a worshipful season, a season of Advent, as we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ. But one thing I've noticed, and you all know this too, this is not a, a surprise to you, but both Christians and non-Christians, those who follow Jesus Christ and those who don't, we tend to all practice the giving and receiving of gifts during Christmas time. You don't have to be a Christian to give gifts at Christmas time. We know that uh, because the bulk of our country celebrates Christmas that way. And probably around the world, uh, we, we give gifts. Now the question is, uh, should there be a difference between how the, the church celebrates Christmas and how we do Christmas and how the world does it or how those outside the church celebrate Christmas? Is there a difference? I mean, should there be a difference? Well, I think there should be. I think there should be a difference in the way that we approach Christmas as opposed to how those who don't know Jesus Christ approach Christmas. And that's why we have joined in with what's called uh, the Advent Conspiracy. And that may sound more, you know, sinister than it is. You know, the Advent Conspiracy is simply, it's coming together, trying to uh, get back to the meaning of Christmas and not allowing it to be hijacked by the, the broader culture. You know, trying to figure out, okay, how, how would God want us to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ? How, how should that impact how we celebrate Christmas? And so that's what the Ad, Advent Conspiracy is all about. And so last week, we looked at the first challenge, which was to worship fully. You know, will you worship fully this season? You know, will Christ guide you, direct you? Will He be the filter you know, that you'll run your celebration through? And not only through your kind of day-to-day -day activities, but will you spend focused time with the Lord? And I challenge you to consider maybe using an Advent devotional or picking one of the Gospels and just spending time with the Lord on a regular basis consistently through the season so we can worship Him. The second, third challenge challenges are to spend less and to give more. And we're going to talk more about what that looks like and how we can practically do that uh, this morning. And then the last challenge we're going to focus on the Sunday of December 22nd is to love all. And hopefully these four challenges will help us get back to the, the core of what Christmas is all about. Now this morning we're going to focus on those second and third challenges. Spend less, worship, worship more. Spend less, give more, worship fully. Those are the things we're going to talk about this morning. But before I get into just the practical how-tos and how that works itself out in our celebration, I want, to, I want to put on the lens of Jesus' teaching as it relates to the giving and receiving of gifts. And I think once we can put that lens on, it'll help us figure out how we can do this whole giving and receiving of uh, giving and receiving of gifts in a way that uh, is worshipful and in line with 
the example of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to turn to Acts chapter 20. And as you're turning there, I'm going to give you a little bit of the context here. You know, the book of Acts is about the kingdom of God expanding throughout the world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It's about the Holy Spirit being at work in the world, in the people's lives, as people come to know Jesus Christ. And we know Paul is a major character in this drama, and God is using Paul to take the gospel to different cities. Well, he goes to a city called Ephesus, and he's proclaiming Jesus Christ, and he's seeing people come to know Christ, and he's organizing the, the local church there, and he's equipping them, uh, pointing elders in the church, and you know the church is growing, and then he leaves, makes his way through Macedonia, and then is on, on his way back through, on his way to Jerusalem, he stopped stops by again to meet with the elders in Ephesus. And we see this in Acts chapter 20. And all in all, he spends about three years in Ephesus. So he has some deep relationships with these people. He's invested a lot of himself in these people. He loves these people. And so he sums up his time with them in the latter part of chapter 20. And as he's saying goodbye to them, he's saying, you know, I'm on my way to Jerusalem and I may never see you again on this side of heaven. And so you can imagine this is a very emotional time for them. Their friend, their mentor, Paul, is leaving and they may never see him again. And then Paul sums up his ministry to the Ephesians. And you can see it contrasted in verses 33 and 35. And he basically is saying this. The reason I came to you, the reason I came to you is not because of gold or silver or fine clothing that you may offer me. But I came to you because, in the words of Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, I came to give you the gospel. I came to help you enter into a relationship with God and enter into a relationship with one another in the church. I came to do that. I came to give of myself because, Paul is saying, because of my love for God and my love for you. It's not to get something from you. But I want to give of myself because of my love for you, my love for God. And so he contrasts the motivation of greed with the motivation of giving. And then he quotes that verse in uh, 35 where he quotes the teaching of Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now I want you to put those glasses on as we look at the giving and receiving of gifts this morning. That's how we want to see it, through the teaching and example of Jesus Christ. Now, when you think about giving and receiving a gift, you have a giver, right? And then you have a receiver. Someone has to receive the gift. And before we get into you know, the practical ways we can do that more uh, worshipfully this season, I want to talk a little bit about the problems of giving and the problems of receiving. And I know you can think about this, when we get to giving, you can think about times where it is actually more hurtful to give than helpful. You know, Christmas is a time where we tend to give a lot, materially anyway. You know, even as, as early as 150 years ago, uh, it was common that people, you would, you would still give and receive gifts, but it was common that you would receive just one gift. At Christmas. 
And it was usually something edible, which for some of you, you think, that's not a bad idea. I, you know, I'd be up for getting something edible for Christmas. But you may get something edible, or it may be something handmade. But you would just get one gift. And some of you in here can remember, even as a child, you may only receive, have received one gift at Christmas. Or maybe you didn't receive anything, but if you received maybe just even one gift, uh, there are fond memories of receiving that gift at Christmas. But that's not how it is today, generally speaking. Uh, rarely does someone get maybe just one gift. And the reason I know that, you can just look at retail sales in our country. It's estimated that for some retailers, 20 to 40% of their annual sales happen between Thanksgiving and Christmas. 20 to 40%. That tells me that people are buying a lot of stuff. And we all know that. You buy, we buy a lot of stuff at Christmas. And so what has happened is, over time, the quantity of the giving has gone up. In other words, we give more gifts. And I think we fall into this mindset that we think the more gifts we give, the more people know we love them. Or the more gifts we give, that equals a better Christmas. Okay? Well... Like I said earlier, the, the giving actually can be harmful, especially with our children. You know, giving can actually uh, feed the greed. You know, we can actually, in our giving, hinder our children and even hinder one another from being givers. So giving, giving should flow like a river. You know, a river is constantly flowing and so should giving. Our giving, as we seek to, to experience the blessing of giving and give to others, what we're hoping to see happen, happen is that person would experience that blessing and would give as well. That they would become more of a giver themselves. I mean, that's how God seems to work. You know, He gives of Himself so that we will give of ourselves. He tells Abraham, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. That just seems... To be the way God operates. And so the problem of giving is it can help turn people into receivers rather than givers. And instead of allowing the giving to flow through them like a river, we can even help them become simply receivers. And the danger of, of being a receiver is that the temptation is to stop the flow of giving and it just kind of pulls within your own self. And you all know this, that you know, as a river flows, you know, there's a greater amount of oxygen in the water. It promotes healthy life. But when water becomes stagnant, when it begins to pool, you all know what happens. Mosquitoes start to breed and bacteria and disease. And that's what happens with giving and receiving. If, if you are a receiver and it begins to pool in you, and you fail to experience the love that, that comes along with giving, then it begins to pull in you, and you become a receiver. The greed begins to grow in you, and it, you can't satisfy that. It has a bottomless appetite. And so even in our giving, we can, even though we don't mean to, we can promote that stagnation. We can cause, especially our children, to become 
receivers rather than, rather than givers. And so recognizing these two problems with, with the giving and receiving, I want us to consider how we can promote gift giving in a way that promotes giving and points people to the way Christ gave of himself. And so how can our giving and receiving of gifts this season mirror Jesus Christ? You know, He's our Lord, He's our Savior, He's our King, He's our example, He's our teacher. How can, how can my giving and receiving of gifts this season be a celebration of who He is and, and flow from my worship of who He is? Well, I think there's two approaches to giving, generally, that we can perhaps fall into. There's the relational approach, which I think is in line with who Christ is and what He's doing and what He has done. And then there's the, the bartering approach. Let me, let me just talk about the bartering approach for a moment. Uh, to barter means to give something for something else. You know, it's almost like a trading or you know, some type of transaction. It's to exchange things for other things. And we've heard about, uh, instead of you know, giving a gift giving, we're having a gift exchange. And we've all been in this predicament where we know, okay, I'm going to this function, I'm going to this family gathering, and I know such and such is going to get me a gift, so I need to get them a gift. Right? We've all been there. Or maybe you just keep a few gift cards in your back pocket just in case. You know, someone surprises you with a gift, you can just kind of... You put it together, oh, I got you a gift too. Yeah. There's that exchange, almost the bartering. You know, you give me a gift, I give you a gift. And what happens is we begin to start giving out of obligation rather than blessing and grace and love. It becomes an obligation. And it becomes totally unhooked from Christ and how He gave and how he would have us give. And it's simply a bartering approach. Now you contrast that with this more relational approach that we see in Christ. He's our example. I mean, just think about Jesus for a moment. Just think about what he did. He, he gave of himself. He gave his life so that we could have life. And the giving of, him, of his life was obviously very costly, and yet he willingly paid that price so that we can receive salvation, so that we can receive forgiveness for our sin, so that we can receive a relationship with God because of His love for us. See, His love for the Father and His love for us was the motivation in His giving of His life for us. And you see this relational approach. And we obviously experience many blessings by being connected with God through Christ, but the primary blessing is that we have a relationship with God. We have a personal relationship with God. That's the, that's the main blessing we receive. And everything else is secondary to that. And it all came about because Christ gave of Himself in order to establish that relationship. And so that's more of a relational approach. So if Jesus is our example, then we should want our giving to bless our relationships. You know, we shouldn't just you know, exchange gifts or just randomly buy stuff just so we can have something. 
But I would hope that we can move more toward being more intentional and be even more relationally uh, driven in how we give our gifts. Now you've all heard the, the saying, especially the children, it is the thought that counts, right? It's the thought that counts. So when you get that gift that you may not like, son, daughter, <laughs> you say thank you and you go hug them even though you don't know what it is or where it came from and there's no hope of returning it. You just have a thankful heart because at least you got something, you know. There are other kids that don't get anything. You know, whatever, you, whatever line of reasoning you go through, but basically you've heard that phrase. It's the thought that counts. I remember when I was a little kid, I was probably in elementary school. I don't remember exact age, but I do remember sitting in my um, grandparents' living room and you know, the tree was lit. It was one of those mornings where you're going to get to open a lot of presents with the family. And I remember getting my present from a certain family member who will remain nameless and opening the gift. And to my surprise, it is a matching set of bath towels. <laughs> and I was, you know, I don't know, I was thinking, eight? <laughs> I was trying to, I, I just didn't, it, it's the, yes, right, it's the gift that just keeps on giving all year long. <laughs> but I'm thinking, there's a disconnect here somewhere. You know, what, like, what goes through your mind to give an eight-year-old bath towels? I'm, I don't know. There, but, you know, I was thankful for a gift. At least I think I was. Maybe not. But what occurred to me, though, is, do these people even know me? I'm like an eight-year-old boy. And you're giving me bath towels? It's, thank you for the gift, but I just, there's a, there's a relational disconnect. You don't know, do you not know who I am? Do you not know my grandparents? You could ask them what I would like. You know, there was just a breakdown in seemed like thoughtfulness when it comes to the gift. Um, I could be wrong, but that's just the way it seemed to me. And we've all been there. We received the gift, we've opened it, and we realized this person put zero thought into this gift <laughs> that I'm opening right here. How could you possibly think that this would benefit our relationship in any possible way? But on the flip side of that, uh, I heard a pastor share this story. He's one of the pastors who helped kind of get this Advent conspiracy uh, movement going. And he shares a story about a son who uh, bought his father a bag of gourmet coffee. His father loved coffee, and so he bought his father this bag of gourmet coffee, which was a thoughtful gift. Uh, he knew his father, he knew his father liked coffee, and he could have stopped there. But he went a step further, and he attached a note to the gift. And as he, the father opened it, he saw the coffee, and he saw this note that said, you can only drink this with me. He could, you know, he could have taken the note off, and it still would have been a thoughtful gift, but he, he was more intentional. He thought about, how can I give a gift that uh, communicates my love for my father, but also benefits and blesses the relationship? How can I have a relational approach in my giving? And what a great idea uh, that he was able to implement there. You know, so let's, let's think about this one in our giving this Christmas. You know, let's, 
Let's let our giving be more thoughtful, more intentional, more relational. Let's think of a way of, of giving in a way that blesses our relationships. Or maybe even begins a relationship. Or maybe even mends a relationship. So, with that foundation built upon Jesus' example and His teaching, I want us to consider how we can be more intentional in our giving. How can we uh, spend less on you know, material things and give more relationally? And give more of our resources to things that last. And so I want to give you a few ideas. And in your bulletin, I have uh, given you an insert. And on the back are a few ideas that I want to just briefly run through with you. You know, one of the ways that you can spend less this Christmas and give more is by instead of going to the department store and buying gifts or buying that gift card or whatever it may be, uh, you could make a gift. Now, some of you may say, well, I think that's what I did when I was like five. And that's true. But there are a number of different ideas that you could, you could implement. I put a website on there that has a few, but with the internet, with books, with Hobby Lobby and Michaels, there's a ton of ideas. And, and what a, a gift that is handmade communicates, I believe, is, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of you, I'm crafting this myself, and I think there's something that is very personal about that. And also, it could save some money this season. Another idea that you may want to implement is just to have a shopping budget. You know, just to know, okay, this is how much I want to spend this Christmas instead of getting caught up in the you know, craziness of the shopping mania. And uh, I have a friend that had his wife come home one time and said, you know, there are just so many sales out there. And he responded to his wife by saying, honey, we cannot afford to save any more money. <laughs> Let's stick with the budget here. You know, that's the way it is with Christmas. Stick with your budget. That will free more money up so you can give to other things. And you know, keep you from going in debt. Another idea that I have on here is that instead of buying several gifts for someone, you know, increasing simply the quantity of gifts, thinking that more is better, be more intentional, relational in your gift giving, and maybe just decrease your gifts by one or two. And by doing that, you're going to free up your resources, your money that you make it place elsewhere and give. Elsewhere, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Another idea is that instead of giving, uh, let's say you're going to buy presents for a couple, your husband and wife perhaps, instead of giving each of them a gift, maybe give just one gift. Or instead of giving each member of a family a gift, give one gift that promotes spending time together. Like for example, you give them some type of game they could play together as a family or, or as a couple. Or give them... Uh, some recreational activity or sports you know, equipment or something they could play together or maybe tickets to a certain event that they could attend together and promote that relationship. Or maybe even give them tickets or uh, different things that you could attend with them to promote that relationship between you and them. And then, you know, with this money that you're going to be saving, hopefully, as you Think more intentionally instead of just buying things. Uh, you stand within a budget. You're, you're making perhaps a few gifts. You're saving some money. And now you have some money freed up where you can give elsewhere. How can we 
spend less, and give more to those who either don't know Christ or who um, are in great need this season. And I've given you a number of options here for your giving, some ideas for your giving as you think about what to do with the money that you save from your spending less. One is our church. You know, obviously, as our church, we want to finish the year financially strong and begin the year financially strong. And so what that's going to mean is let's consider how we can give to our church here, the Hill Baptist Church. Secondly, I mentioned earlier the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Our goal is $7,000. You know, you just think if you decrease your gifts by just one or two, that may free up, you know, 20, 30, 50, 100 dollars that you could give to missions to reach some people that you would never be able to go reach, but you can fund that missionary and help them to reach them on your behalf and on behalf of Christ. Next one is the Broad Street Ministry Center, which is the cooperative effort of Southern Baptist churches here in Augusta. Uh, there's a ministry center on Broad Street, hence the name, and it ministers to the poor. It has a food pantry, a literacy center, uh, a clothing closet, a dental clinic. There's a number of ways that this ministry ministers to the poor, and that's a great way that you could direct some of your giving. There's also an option there. I'm not sure what the date is on it, but you can adopt a family for Christmas. You know, a small family, one person, or a, or a large family. And help them buy Christmas presents for their family. Also, the Christ Community Health Services. Some of you are familiar with this ministry. Uh, it's a wonderful medical uh, service downtown that serves the underinsured or the uninsured. And Robert Campbell, the doctor there, he's surrounded by a number of great doctors and nurses and administrative staff. And that is a wonderful ministry to give to. And lastly here, Young Life Augusta. Many of you are familiar with Young Life. And actually, uh, a couple that's been attending our church for several months, they're actually away this weekend uh, at a Young Life camp. He's doing some speaking there. But his name's uh, Clay Bagby and his wife and their four kids have been attending our church for several months now. But he's the Young Life director in Augusta. And in Columbia County. And so this is a ministry that's wonderful as they reach out to high school students in the area and spend countless hours visiting lunchrooms and meeting with high schoolers and pointing them to Jesus Christ. And so that's a great use of that extra money that you're saving um, as well as you spend less. So how's your Christmas season going so far? Well, as followers of Jesus Christ... You know, we, we want to celebrate Christmas distinctly. You know, we want our celebration, all that we do, to tell the world who we worship. You know, as followers of Christ, we want everything that we do to flow from our relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you willing, are you willing to embrace that challenge? Let us pray. God, we we embrace that challenge this morning. Lord, we want to give because you've given so lavishly to us in your Son. But we want to give in a way that is relational. We want to give in a way that is truly a blessing. Uh, We want to give in a way that promotes giving. And we want to give in a way that points people to Jesus. Lord, thank you for each person here. And thank you that you gave your son 
for them. And He willingly came, willingly died, so that we can have life. And we are so thankful. And as a result of that, God, we want to give of ourselves. We want to love. We want to help. We want to serve. Lord, and help us do that, even in our gift giving this Christmas. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.